first of three podcasts, NEC dance producer Kathy Levy speaks to Ottawa-born choreographer Ted Robinson, whose work has been presented on several occasions at the NEC. Kathy invited him to our NEC recording studio back in 2009 to share his background, from his Ottawa upbringing to successful choreographer and everything in between. You were born in Ottawa, is that correct? I was. And tell us about that. Tell us about being, not just being born, but of course, tell us about your early life here. And Oh, my goodness. Okay. It, totally unexciting. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Being born in Ottawa can't be unexciting. <laughs> you know, just sort of in the West End. Uh, we lived on Woodruff Avenue and there were cows in the backyard then. Baseline, it was, Woodruff Avenue was a dirt road up near Baseline. And, um, you know, that's about, that's basically about it. I used to try and put on plays. With your friends, cousins, that kind friends, of thing? Friends, yeah. Mm -hmm. And who did you put them on for? Uh, well, we never, uh, well, the friends, we never got it together to put on play. Okay. But, <laughs> but there was just the desire to. Do you, have, do you have memories of when you were young, somehow the arts being in your life or particularly dance being in your life? I always wanted to dance. And I hope my mother never hears this, but she always said, she always steered me towards music. Uh, the other thing that I remember quite clearly was that uh, when I was young, I, she asked me, I think, what would you like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I, I said, I want to be a performer. And she said, or I think I might have said an actor. And she said, and she leaned in very close and she said, actors are very special people. We are not special people. Wow. <laughs> Do you ever remind her of that? No. <laughs> except, except when she hears this broadcast. <laughs> How did that make you, like, did I you think, I forget was, it, Mom, I am special? or No, I just, I just kept it, kept everything quiet from then on. And did she take you to see plays or music? Or uh, was I went to see the White Heather Society, lots of Scottish stuff. Okay. And I don't know why, and, and because I had an interest in Scotland. And from what did the time you, I was young. I asked you this this morning before the interview. What do you want to be when you grow up? And, and you I, said... I said I wanted to be Scottish. <laughs> that fascination still yeah. exists many years later. It does. I'm, I'm still fascinated with Scotland. Why do you think you're fascinated with Scotland? I it's have, not just the Highland dancing, I'm sure. I have no idea. I mean, uh, the other sort of story that I tell people is that my first memory, really, about uh, when asked... When I sort of said, well, what am I doing here? That kind of realization when you're young and you sort of say, what, what's life all about? But I'm, I'm sure I was quite young. Was that I was convinced that I was the son of a clan chieftain in the 17, 1800s sometime. There was a clan war and then through lots of magic, I was sent to suburban Ottawa to be taken care of and that they were going to come and take me back when, when the war was over. <laughs> Did you read books about Scotland? Or no, no. This there... is before I could read. Even. Ah, okay. This was just oh. something I just, I just. This is what I thought. Isn't that incredible? You know, so I was probably like four or five, and I used to dress up all the time. And before I could walk, even I used to play a '78 record player and play bagpipe music and 
but who knows why. Do you, do you feel those influences still in your life? And besides the fact that you answered the question that way this morning, what do I want to be when I grow up <laughs> Scottish? Do you, do you, do you feel... You Would know, be Scottish or Japanese. <laughs> right. We'll get to that part of your life later. Um, but uh, do you still feel those influences? Is it music that you're attracted to? Uh, attracted to? I, I can't necessarily remember that all of your pieces have had Scottish themes, although I'm sure there's some of them in there. No, that, uh, I started sort of exploring that more late 80s. Okay. Around 88, I think I put the first kilt on. But I had, oh no, I had a plaid thing in 83. I remember that, plaid plastic. <laughs> plaid plastic. Okay, so let, before, we, before we get to the plaid plastic, so is there, is there, you know, that moment that you can look back and say, ah, dance, that's when dance entered my life. I mean, besides mm. the Scottish theme, which seems to be more encompassing than dance. Hmm. It's, I think it's a gradual journey for me. If there's, I don't believe there's sort of one moment that I ever – in, in fact, still, I think. There's no one moment where I think, you know, I'm a dance artist. <laughs> I think it's always been this, this rocky road where, you know, finally I've, I'm admitting that I'm a working artist. This is how I make my living. And uh, so I've accepted the fact that, that I, I'm an artist working in dance. Can so. you can you fill me in though? Like, where did you find out about dance? Where did you go to a studio? Did you start taking classes? Tell us a bit about that journey. Okay, so well, well, we'll say trained dance because there's social dancing as well. So I started through social dancing. Scottish That's, social dancing? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, my sister, my older sister, when I was going into high school, said, "Okay, it's time I taught you about dancing because I don't want to be embarrassed at the dances when you come." So she taught me to dance socially, and then through that I, I learned more and more, and I danced a lot in high school at uh, at dances, and and I think on stage, I, you know, they put on some shows and Broadway I danced stuff? a bit. Broadway, yeah, they'd have like you know, it would be um, at Nepi, and it wasn't sort of Broadway shows; it was we'd make our own show. Right. Okay. So there was stuff going on, but only a couple of times, but. And were you sort of like sort of science student by day and performer by night kind of thing? <laughs> no, but I... <laughs> <laughs> you know, high school is a funny place, right, to, yeah. to find a, a haven to be artistic. I mean, I don't, you know, we saw a couple of plays, but I don't remember necessarily it being a place <laughs> that people got encouraged to pursue artistic careers. I do remember this, that I would, I would go out one night per weekend. I was allowed out to be with my friends on the street. And I would be out on the street and doing all the things that kids do on the street. And then the other night, whether it be Friday or Saturday, I would be home playing the piano. Uh -huh. And my friends on the street didn't know I played the piano. They didn't know I was had artistic leanings or anything. So you kept it very separate. I did, okay. yeah. But also at Nepean, we did come to the art center. And this was the other thing, too, in, in my teenage years, was that I spent a lot of time at the art center because I, it... It uh, opened in, what, 69? that's right. So we used to come, I don't know what they, student rush tickets or something like that they were called, and, and I'd come in jeans and a T-shirt, and I, I remember sitting in the front row for Merrick Jablonski, wow. Jablonski, playing the piano, and uh, and things like that. And I came to see, I think it was TDT, 
okay. might have performed Toronto at, Dance some, Theater. Okay. At, at yeah. some point, and uh, I saw well, them. I'm sure if you're talking about the 70s, I mean, yep. all the major, you know, sort of mainstream Canadian contemporary companies were starting to come here. Yeah, so I, 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 I would come a lot because I was the only member of my family who would venture downtown. I see. And that was because my grandmother used to take me all the time when I was young. And I also took bagpipe lessons at the drill hall and hung out every Saturday from the time I was nine downtown. So I was like, I learned about downtown when I was quite young and was not afraid to sort of just hop on a bus, uh, go to the art center, pay $5 and go and see a show. That's amazing. So your grandmother, you mentioned, I mean, so mm -hmm. she had an influence on your artistic life somehow as well. She did. I'm sure. <laughs> because, she, because she took you to shows? No, she didn't take me to shows, but I would put on shows for her. Excellent. So I'd dress up in her clothes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and do shows for her and play poker. I hope there's some photographs of that somewhere. No, none, none. <laughs> you dress up <laughs> Yeah, and we used to uh, watch wrestling on Saturday nights and eat onion sandwiches. I remember that as well. Did she know that you became a professional choreographer? Mm, not really, no. Oh. No. <laughs> All right. Was that something you kept from her, or she just... No, it's a long story. Okay. <laughs> Too long for today? All right. We'll get that on the next interview. So here you are. You're coming to the Art Center. You're coming to hear music concerts, watch dance shows. So where does it go from there? Do you start taking class? Do you think I could do that? Well, uh, I didn't know how to do it because my sister took tap when she was young, and I wanted to take tap. My mother said no. So uh, in high school, I'm just trying to think, yes, in high school, I lived two blocks away from the Bannermans. I don't know if you it's will a name recall that's familiar. this name. And I went to, in, in my class was this guy called Jonathan Bannerman, and his brother, older brother, was Christopher Bannerman, uh -huh. who I would see with a, a bag at his side, every day after school, catching the bus to go downtown. And everybody would say, he dances. And I went, well, is that what you do? You <laughs> sort of stand at the bus stop and like, how do you do this? And I, I would never, I never wanted to ask him, like, how do you get to, you know, how did you start? Mm -hmm. I was too shy. So I never did, but I used to know, I used to like just see him at the bus stop and go, he dances. He's like going to ballet class. You knew that it was ballet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was Nesta to Means, I think. Aha. Uh -huh. And so he, and he ended up, I saw him many years later at the first um, uh, choreographic seminar in 1978. He came back because he, he joined London Contemporary Dancers. That's right. That's right. And that was in Banff, right? I think. Or that was, was at York. At York, the right, first one. Strategy, right. Yeah, the first one. Okay, I'm still trying to figure out how you got into your first class. <laughs> I know there's so much to talk about about your professional career, but I want to hear this connection. I, uh, let's see, after, after high school, I worked for a year at Waterloo Music. Then I was all set, I was going to take over my father's business. And so I went to, I was registered to go into business administration at Algonquin. And I went for two hours. <laughs> And I said, mm, it's not going to work. And then I went uh, down to York. I auditioned to get into the um, music department. I got in. And I went there because I knew there was a dance department there. Okay. But you figured music was your entree. That was the entree, yeah. 
because I didn't know how to do it. So I went there one year, came home and said I was moving to London, England. I was going to become a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and instead there, I started dancing in a pub every night. And uh, they would like turn... Like disco dancing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like sort of air, air band dancing. Okay. <laughs> it's always rock and roll. That's sort of the influence. And uh, there was no dancing in pubs in, at, that, at this point. And, um, but every night at quarter to 11, Kate, the barmaid, would put on ballroom blitz. And I'd go to it so they could have a little entertainment. And then uh, one night, some fighting broke out, and because um, I excited, it was I think it was Queen, it was uh, Princess Anne's wedding. It was way back then in '73 or something like that. And I was barred from the pub for two weeks because oh, I caused a fight. Dear, <laughs> I excited the crowds too much. <laughs> so then I went back to York after being in Europe for a year or six, seven months, whatever it was. Um, and that year I, I registered in a non-practical dance course called the Values of Dance, sort of edging my way in. And then by January that year, or February, uh, some, some girls had said in the fall or in, in, you know, around Christmas time, they said, well, we'll give you some ballet classes if you'll give us piano lessons. Because they'd seen me dancing around. And they were just sort of, but there was a trick. Right. <laughs> so they gave me three classes. And they said, now you're ready to audition for the dance department. Where <laughs> so, it be so simple today. Yeah. And so I went into a men's basic ballet class. Uh, and I had just been singing in a band. So I had long, hennaed red hair and earring. I had. Were you playing you know, keyboards in the band? No, I was just singing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> just singing and long, dancing. Okay, I'm trying to imagine this. Long, red hair. Long, red hair. I had uh, I bought some tights and a dance belt and red socks and a red T-shirt, so it's all red and black and red hair. And showed up and did my thing. And then they said, "Oh yeah, you can continue auditing this class in the next year." And then they accepted me into the dance department. And who's they at the time? Do you remember who the who was running it? Uh, was Grant the, there? Grant was there. Yeah. Mm, Grant so Stratty. Grant Stratty. Uh, Diane Mimura, Diane Buxton was my first teacher. Um, Tara McGuire was my first modern teacher. Uh, lots of people were there. Sandra Caverly, Sandra Niels was there. Right. Lots of names of people that we still know many years later who That's were right. teaching and choreographing and performing. Yeah. yeah. So York was the was the springboard. York was the springboard for sure. And, and go ahead. And I quit the band. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and no dancing in the pub. Uh, no, I used and, to. I used to worry that I would lose my social dancing skills mm -hmm. and my my element of enjoyment by training too much. And so I used to go dancing with Karen Duplessis every night, rock <laughs> and bowl. <laughs> who that Karen Duplessis? Who then was was she one ever in your company, or did you ever dance with her in the same company? And no, she went on to Toronto Dance Toronto Theater. Dance Theater for many years. For yeah. many many years. Yeah. yeah, but I find it interesting that there's a connection there between the music and the dance. And I'm wondering, what did you teach the girls on piano? They never, we never got around to that because oh. it was never their intention to do oh, it. I see. So it was just a trick. It was a trick, yeah. <laughs> was the piano music you were playing at that time primarily classical, <laughs> rural, oh, right, rural conservatory, right? Yeah, but, but, but sort of very sloppy, very inspired. Do you still play? <laughs> no technique. Uh, I just got my mother's, my mother just moved into a smaller house and I got the little baby grand. Very nice. So now my office is just a piano. 
So I'm taking it back up after about 20 years of not playing. So but it's just for my own enjoyment. Okay. So from these beginnings, I mean, you became uh, a major, major influence on the Canadian contemporary dancing. Well, I never think of it that way myself, but... I do. <laughs> as somebody who's been watching the Canadian contemporary dance scene for, I don't know, 20 years, I certainly do. Well, that's, oh, that's nice of you to say. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, when I came, you know, sort of became aware of uh, the scene, it was in the early 80s. Uh -huh. And you were already in Winnipeg by then, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah. And I started basically choreographing there. So you, did you go from York right to Winnipeg? I went, I did a year at TDT as a student. Okay. With David Earl and Peter? Mostly Trish Beatty. Trish Beatty. Okay. Yeah. So I never got into heavy duty, Graham. Okay. Now Just. why Winnipeg? Uh, I auditioned for Rachel. Rachel Brown? Rachel Brown, yes. And uh, One of the grandmothers of Canadian modern dance. <laughs> and she took me, not as a full company member. I wasn't good enough. And um, so I was, I forget what she called me, but she, there was some name. It wasn't like a, an apprentice, but it was something else. And um, yeah, so I went, went there in 79. Okay, tell me about that. There you are arriving in Winnipeg. Had you ever been to Winnipeg before? Never been to Winnipeg. I was, I was uh, where I really wanted to go was um, Regina. <laughs> was that more Scottish than Winnipeg? <laughs> well, Susan McKenzie was there, and we were friends. Okay, and I sort of Scottish Mackenzie, yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> perhaps more so than Robinson. <laughs> and uh, and I didn't know anybody in Winnipeg, so I I thought, well, I'd rather go, and I I felt like they were doing more interesting work. It's terrible for me to say that, but that's what I thought. Um, with Maria Formolo. So, but they didn't take me. There, there was, it was either one or two of those okay. that I was trying to get into. Uh, so I went to Winnipeg, and uh, my first image that I remember of that was walking down to Portage Street, which I used to call Portage, of course. <laughs> Being from Ottawa. <laughs> Being from Ottawa. And there was a, a tumbleweed going down the street. And I went, <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Down Portage Avenue. Amazing. A tumbleweed in, in August. And I just went, oh, Lord. So, but I was there with Francisco Alvarez, Monica George, and Marilyn Biederman, and Conrad Alexandrovich. Wow. Those Stellar were, group. Those were the, the new company members. Okay. Uh, plus the older ones, Mark Chambers, Gail Peterson-Hiley, and Ruth and Deanne, Ruth Cansfield and Deanne Kuby were the apprentices then. So we did, we just got down to work. We did a lot of work. Rachel worked too hard? Yes, we used to work five and a half days a week. We used wow. to uh, work on Saturday mornings, half a day. And lots He's of rolling his eyes, folks. He's <laughs> rolling his eyes. <laughs> and uh, we used to learn a lot from video because we had, because most of the company left the year before. And so there, we were all new and we, she had to get shows together within... We were performing within three weeks. Because the company had started when? Can you remind me? The... Contemporary Dancers, Winnipeg's Contemporary Dancers. 64. 64, and this is 79. This is 79, yeah. So there had been a bit of a, a huge a lot turnover. Of right. Particularly that year, for some reason, there was uh, uh, a lot of people left the company. I don't know why. Ken, Ken Lippitz and Shelley were still there. Okay. Um, and 
Gail and Mark. Okay. Some of the older company members, it was time for them to go. So we had to learn, we did a lot of learning off of video and putting, you know, there's many shows to get together. There were tours to do. The company was very, very busy. Um, and that's what we did. We learned like 15 dances that year. My gosh. Yeah, something like that. And you toured mostly in Canada? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is 1979? 79, 80, yeah. And five years later, you're the artistic director. That's correct. Now, <laughs> isn't that incredible? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a very short journey. Particularly in when... In artistic terms. Uh, yes, very short. And particularly when I wasn't even, you know, I was hired on as a sort of a lower level dancer. <laughs> but again, some some artists are meant to be the choreographers and artistic directors and yes. others the performers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that journey was quite incredible. I mean, did did you did you become very close with Rachel? Did you see that future for yourself with that company, or was it a complete surprise? No, I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, uh, that's a funny question. Yeah. Well, it's because uh, what happened after the first year was that I was I choreographed my first piece. Basically, uh, there was a workshop um, between the RWB dancers and the contemporary dancers dancers. And they applied for money and with Joost Pelt and, and Stephanie and, and those folk. And uh, so I was invited to choreograph a piece and, and I had like a full page interview wow. for my first work wow. <laughs> in the uh, free press, front of the entertainment section on a Saturday, Ted dances to his own beat and stuff like this. Well, that's and a good model for you for always, <laughs> so that's great. And... Uh, yeah, so so like big coverage, and they were it, it was just it was just like a bit weird how Winnipeg just like it was uh, the media attention was great for me for some reason. Um, but what happened was at the party at the end of that run of the stuff. Um, this piece that you made for Royal Winnipeg dancers and contemporary dancers. That's right. Okay. Uh, Mark Chambers was going off to Banff for the second choreographic seminar and I, okay. I said at 2 a.m. in the morning I said I'll come with you excellent so so I hopped in the car and drove to Banff to see friends and stuff the next day thinking that I would just take the train back and it turned out that somebody didn't come so I stayed for that choreographic Fantastic. seminar Grant invited me to stay and there I met um, Savannah and Terry who were the other part of Karen Jameson and Terminal City who I'd worked with Karen in the other seminar, and she had worked at Contemporary Dancers, and Rachel was at Banff. And there was a big kind of blow-up, and I said I wanted to join Terminal City, and Rachel said, you signed a contract with me for another year, and I won't let you go. Hmm. So I did the next year at Contemporary Dancers, and I didn't get any new parts because she told Ooh. everybody that I was leaving, because I told her at the beginning of the year I was leaving, I was going to go join Terminal City. Okay. And um, so it turned out to be a very good thing because I got to understudy all parts. I got to watch choreographers choreograph, and I was very interested in, in choreographing. And I studied it. I studied from behind how people choreograph because there's a few, few people. Um, and at the end of the year, I left and went to join Terminal City. Uh, staying in their studio in Chinatown. Uh, that's where I met Ahmed. Ahmed Hassan? Mm-hmm. Uh, Musician, composer? Mm-hmm. 
Just filling in the gaps yes, for our listeners. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, and of course, Terry and Savannah and Karen had started Terminal City in Vancouver as a bit of a vagabond company in some ways, hadn't they? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so you were you the fourth member, or were there several other dancers hanging around? There were they, there was a few in and out, mm-hmm. but at that point there were the three of them plus Ahmed plus myself. Okay, as far as I know, okay. for that year. And both Ahmed and I, after working for three weeks, sat with them at a table and said, Karen, you need to form your own company. Terry and Savannah, you need to form your own company. It's time we're not going to join you this year. Wow. Yeah, so that was Ahmed. So you made this big move and then... And and then people started calling me from Winnipeg. Please come back. Please come back. (laughs) (laughs) Because the news, of course, travels very quickly. Well, even I think before that was even, the internet, <laughs> I think that was that was even before we had decided. Okay. So that might have been a little bit of an influence on me too. Okay. And they wanted to take at that point. They wanted to take my second work, Attitudes of Risk and Uncertainty, to London on the tour. And they were trying to lure me back with that. And I got a, a phone call from Stephanie. I got a phone call from Rachel. I got a phone call from Tom Scurfield. Please come back. And so I came back as an independent artist in uh, to Winnipeg. I didn't join the company. Okay. <laughs> but I, I went back to Winnipeg and slept on Stephanie's floor for six months or something. Okay. And made and and recreated this work or made a new work. No, I ended up. Uh, we did recreate that work for. They ended up not going to London, and it ended up being a big fiasco. And then their problems started happening for the company. But what I did do was that I uh, went to the local art gallery, plug-in gallery, and uh, I got a Manitoba Arts Council grant, which at that point was the the most I could get was $300. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I don't know how I lived except for the grace of Stephanie's floor, and I think she fed me, and so that was basically what was going on. And I did a show uh, on Halloween night at plug-in gallery. Okay. Yeah. And the reaction was good? I think, it, well, tickets were free and I supplied free booze. Yeah, that's, that's all. <laughs> Very smart. <laughs> I've always been a good marketer. <laughs> but I had a live video. I had a bank of TV sets covered in plastic. I had uh, two live musicians, plus there's a lot of tape music, plus five dancers, and everybody worked for free, including me. And uh, we did a, I did sort of an hour-long structured improv with... Uh, changing costumes. I also had uh, uh, local Winnipeg photographers. The best photographs ever taken of me are from that show because they were part of the lighting effect was them attacking me with with cameras and they would take photographs of me changing clothes. Attacking you meaning that... They were part of the action. I see. Okay. So not they, that they were hitting you over the head with their no, camera parts. Okay. No, no, no. no <laughs> just, just to be clear. <laughs> they, they, they would close in on me so that uh, it was also a, not only a lighting effect, but also the space would change. Okay. It sounds pretty avant-garde for the time. I mean, it sounds a bit uh, kind of out there, perhaps. It, it was for 80, for, I think it was 82. I'm not sure. Again, we've just been talking about Terminal City and how they were also trying to push the envelope. So it sounds like that was something that you connected with and yes, brought that back a little bit to, and this to Winnipeg. And this was also influenced by Lindsay Camp as well. Okay. Tell so me that about was that. The other, that was 1978 okay. in Toronto, uh, just after I'd 
I had, uh, I was about to go to, no, I was about to go to Toronto Dance Theatre. Okay. And I went to see a show of Lindsay Kemp's. And I went to that because I was a big David Bowie fan. And I knew that David Bowie had been in Lindsay Kemp's company in the late 60s, I believe. So I... Lindsay Kemp, of course, from London. From London. Tell, tell us about Lindsay Kemp. What did you know about him at the time? Sort of psychedelic? Not that much, uh, but uh, not that much before I, I went to see a show. Mm -hmm. And then once I went to see the show, I went, oh, my goodness, because musically, he was right up my alley. He was using Wagner. He was using all this. He was using a lot of percussion. He had a, a, a Japanese percussionist live with tape music, uh, you know, the bald head, the white face. It was like kabuki gone wild, um, no into rock and roll. And it's everything that all of his uh, publicity says it is. It's basically circus. It's theater. It's circus. It's rock and roll. It's, um, you know, tragedy. And then I heard he was doing classes. So I started to study with him. Every day it would be $5, and you go for three hours into the TDT studios on Broadview. It was up on Broadview at that point. And uh, it was just wild. With Anton Dolan, came to class one time, uh, sat up on stage. And, <laughs> because, he, because Anton Dolan, famous from Les Ballets Russes, I yes, think. Yes, I think so. Um, performed with Lindsay in, not Flowers, but Salome. Okay. So we would do theatrical classes, which would push your limits, basically. You know, there'd be like oh, sometimes 40 people in class going crazy. Wow. You know, being hunters and hunted, and he'd just change it, change it up for three hours. He just didn't stop moving, improvising, all that kind of thing. And then I was very lucky. I, I just kept going every day, and I think I was one of the few people who who did keep going. By that time, Robert de Rosier and Claudia had already studied with him in London. So, um, so I was just sort of catching up, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I studied with him for about a month to six weeks because after, after the public classes closed, he said I could take the, his company classes. So he set up shop in, tr in Toronto? For about six weeks, yeah, wow. he was there because they kept, he was so popular that he, they held over his shows. And when you say they, who, who's they? Who was bringing him into Toronto in those days? Uh, theatre workshop. Okay. And was Roberto Rossi and Claudia Moore, did they have anything to do with that invitation? Just near the end uh, was just when, when Robert joined his company. Okay. So he did just the last performance of flowers. Okay. I remember it's quite that. a family tree we've got going here, really. Yeah. So you're taking Lindsay's classes and you're mm -hmm. seeing what's possible and a whole other way of approaching work. And this was right. Uh, I started taking the classes just before the seminar in 1978, the choreographic seminar. So we're sort of out, out of sync here, but um, no, but that choreographic seminar in 1978, I remember hearing about that also. I was at University of Waterloo at the uh -huh. time and thinking, what a brilliant idea. Yeah. And in, in fact, you yeah. know, here I am 30-odd years later thinking, gosh, we could really use one of those again. Wouldn't uh -huh. that be wonderful if there were the means and the ways to, to create, not to recreate, but to create for this, for the 21st century, a exactly. similar kind of an intense environment where That's right. you were with choreographers, dancers, composers, musicians, making work on a day-to-day -day basis, correct? Mm -hmm. Getting That's feedback. Right. Yeah really having to um, 
perfect the, well, not, maybe not perfect, but really having to work the idea of what it was to choreograph so that the uh, this concept of it being this ethereal artistic practice that you couldn't really speak about in pedantic terms flies out the window because you're really learning about craft. Yes, a And lot of course, of you need to have the talent to infuse that craft. It's such an incredible yeah. concept. And also for, for young choreographers who were probably the dancers at the time, um, it was great for me as a dancer. I did two as a dancer and it was great for me to see five to six different interpretations of the same question. You know, right. the same same task was given. When you say you did two, in other words, you did two choreographic workshops. I did, did 1978, I did 1980, and then I did 1992 or three, whenever it was, uh, as they, a choreographer. That they, because they only did two or three. I mean, this wasn't, they did a, four. This wasn't a thing that happened every year. Okay. That's right, okay. yeah. They did one, I think, in 1985, which I missed. And then they did another one in the early 90s. Okay, all right. So you got a chance to go back as a choreographer many years I did, later. yeah. That was my big goal in life. Right. <laughs> Incredible. So you've zoomed from Lindsay Camp to Winnipeg. Lindsay Camp to Rachel Brown. Now there's a choreographic uh, mm -hmm. spectrum. Yep. My, my points came from Lindsay. My pointed sideburns that I had for many, many years came from a combination of Lindsay and the seminar because I knew I was um, going to be performing every night and I felt my face was a bit too round. So I thought that men had this natural ability to um, grow shadow and shape their faces. So I grew these points pointed sideburns that would slash my cheeks that I had for many, many years. I remember those. Yeah. <laughs> and did they make your face look slimmer? Yes, they did. Probably. When I showed them. Yeah. <laughs> when you shaved, it was a shock. It was a shock, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard there was only three other people in the world who had them. Some guy in Germany at that time. And, and now, of course, sculpting your beard is, uh, is a big, big trend. Well, we always knew you were at the, on the edge and at the avant-garde. this edition of NAC Dance Podcast. Please join us next time for part two of the conversation with Ted Robinson. Please send us your comments and questions. You can email us at nacpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting nacpodcast.ca. There you will find past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can also find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Until next time, this is Alary Evans saying goodbye from Canada's NAC Dance.